opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, ACB community. You are listening to Home, Garden, and Agriculture. We come to you the second Saturday of each month to bring you a relevant topic on uh, various themes related to gardening and uh, homesteading and farming. My name is Marge and my co-host is Deborah. I bet most of us on this call or listening via the uh, ACB um, channel are experiencing some sort of version of winter weather, depending on where you are. We certainly are here in in, uh, in Savannah where I am, a blustery day. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, um, a soup of some sort and uh, thinking about the spring garden. Uh, Deborah, what is happening in your garden right now? Well, my garden is totally covered with snow. I have shoveled more snow this year than I can recall shoveling. So I've been focusing on uh, planning for the spring. I have been inspired by you and some of the people who have called in and I'm plant, I've ordered supplies to uh, do some seed starting this, this spring. I also right, ordered a yeah, I'm excited about it. I also ordered a green stock, which I'll be talking about maybe later as time goes on. But it's basically a five-tier outdoor growing system that uh, you can grow in containers and you can grow organically or any way you wish. And I do, I'm very proud of uh, my little fig. Uh, she's one of the chicks that Mama Broody raised this year. Uh, little fig started laying eggs this week. They're beautiful. Yeah, and I'm told they are a beautiful pale uh, blue green color. She's, she's what's called an Easter egger, and uh, so it's very exciting to have eggs. Uh, I'm the chickens usually quit laying when the days get short, so it's nice to have the eggs in the midst of the snow. So, Marge, what is going on in your garden? Tell us a little bit more about what you call blustery and cold. Oh, well, I can't imagine it's too cold there. It's about Indiana. 55 degrees, and to me, that's that's getting down there. Anyway, um, I'm spoiled. And uh, uh, harvesting and um, uh, a lot of greens harvesting right now and, and some peas and almost finished with the cauliflower and carrots are, are coming along. And so there's all that happening. And, and I'm, I'm puzzling over where to put everything for the spring. I consider it a big puzzle to figure out what to put where and what we should grow this time and what we should do differently. So that's always a fun it, aspect of gardening isn't it Deborah? when you can think about it oh, it's yes. all going to be lovely and bountiful <laughs> when it grows right and we don't have to weed any of it oh yeah. no 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 weeds <laughs> yeah, don't I've enter had, in <laughs> i've had too much fun ordering seeds now i have to figure out where i'm going to put them all yeah it, it is fun thinking ahead 
but you get that year-round gardening, which has its pluses and minuses. I miss does. fresh greens. I want fresh greens again. So it's hard not to have those. Well, um, do we have Nella, our guest? Is she with us? Yes, ma'am. She sure is. All I'm right. here, Deborah. Hi, Nella. So Hi. I want Nella will be a familiar voice. Uh, she's somebody who has joined us from time to time with incredibly uh, insightful tips. Uh, she was a guest a while back, and she talked about her dairy goats. And now, since, since she was a guest, uh, she and her eight goats and her one horse uh, and I don't various other animals all moved across the country from her homestead in Arizona to a new five-acre homestead in Missouri. So uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about what it was like to move, but more importantly, uh, she'll give us some tips on how to locate a place to homestead if you're a blind person and there are, you know, I've heard this a lot, both um, from people calling in and just in my personal conversations, a lot of us want to live a more rural lifestyle, but we don't know how to do that without transportation and access to services. And uh, Nella managed to find that spot. So Nella, thank you very much for joining us again. Okay. I would have apologize so, about any background sound here. I have a couple of dogs that have decided it's recess time in the living room. And they're, they're wrestling around making crazy sounds. So if you hear crazy sounds, that's what's going on. Well, it's all real here, right, on ACB calls. I Once in a while, you'll hear my cats or my chickens. So it's all good. I know I've heard Margie's cats from time to time, too, and I just smile. So Nella. Uh, first off, uh, tell us uh, about where you were and where you moved to. Okay, I was living in um, Phoenix, Arizona on a small um, property that was zoned for livestock. Um, and, and I did grow up on a farm in northwest Arkansas. And, and at one point I did own a few acres in northwest Arkansas and lived there. And several years ago, when I um, lived there, when I moved there, there was transportation. Then they took the transportation away. Then I felt very isolated. And I was about, I, I lived in the edge of a small town in, in Arkansas where I could actually walk to the things in the small town, but it did not have everything I needed. And it was a good like 20 miles to medical appointments and that type of thing. So once um, they took away that commuter bus that went in and out of the larger town. I felt very isolated and it was very hard to um, get things accomplished. So I ended up moving to Arizona. And then um, just a lot of things happened um, in Arizona, just like the COVID. I wasn't able to see my family, which are, you know, in Northwest Arkansas. So a lot of things happened. I, the area where I had purchased my home in Arizona was getting really built up. People were, you know, selling off the properties and they were getting divided and it was really getting built up. 
And also my property value went up a lot. I had a lot of equity and I just kind of reevaluated my life and what I wanted out of life and decided, you know, that I wanted to be more rural again. And I started researching areas that I thought, you know, I do want to be closer to my family. My parents are getting older. The whole, you know, thing with COVID made me just, you know, evaluate what was important. And so where they live is very rural. I knew I didn't want to live where they live because it's just too, you know, I knew I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. So I just kind of looked in a two-hour radius. And one of the areas that came up was Springfield, Missouri. And I was familiar with Springfield because when I, usually when I flew home to visit my family, I would fly in and out of um, Springfield. So, and I do have a couple of not close friends, but, you know, um, acquaintances here. So I just started and and the property values were a little, the prices were a little lower here than they were um, in, in a couple of the areas in Northwest Arkansas that I was looking at. So I just sat down and I made a list of what was important to me and a property, what I, you know, a list that I wanted to have. And I just started, I got a realtor and I also did a lot of looking on my own on different, you know, like for sale by owner websites, um, Zillow, just different things. And some of the things I put on my list was I wanted at least three acres. I wanted a combination of pasture and wooded area. I wanted a water source, like a well or stream or pond or something like that. And, you know, and I wanted it to be close enough to town. I did some research. There, there is transportation in Springfield. There is, um, we have Lyft, Uber, a cab, and there is also a county bus system, which is a little more limited. But I wanted it to you know, hopefully be close enough to Springfield that if there was some issue with the bus or if they, you know, took a bus line away that I could still get into town. And it took a while to find it because, you know, the biggest thing for me probably was the location, not wanting to be too far out and still finding something that that I could afford. So it took a while. My, I had family members that were very helpful because I was living and working in Phoenix at the time. And they and a couple of friends here in town were, you know, went and looked at properties for me. Um, the realtor, you know, at the first couple of properties she looked at were complete no-goes too far out. I think she finally understood what I was looking for. And then my family members would check it out and, you know, let me know. So um, when this, the place I found was actually for sale by owner and um, it, when I talked to her, it's, you know, it sounded like what I wanted. I showed the pictures to people. They thought it looked great. My mom and dad came and looked at it. And, um, um, I felt, you know, my mom loved it. I thought it was perfect for me. It was, I'm exactly like, so, basically, oh, go ahead, Deborah. I'm sorry to interrupt. So I, I really like your idea of, of having that list that that's a really good idea because that could help you focus on what you were looking for and, I imagine you shared that list with others too, so they knew what yeah. you were looking for. Yeah, I shared the list with the realtor, and then I had a list, uh, a, kind of a longer, more specific list that I that I 
you know, emailed to my friends here that were looking and my family members about, you know, a little more specific things. And then, you know, like my mom has seen every house I've lived in and I have, um, sold purchased and sold several houses over the years and rented different places. So she has an idea of what I like uh, and also coming some of the things I wanted, you know, was kind of more like, you know, like the lay of the land, like, you know, I wanted like soil that I could grow things in. This is the Ozarks. So some areas can be pretty rocky. And as my dad jokingly calls it vertical real estate where, you know, everything is on a, a steep hillside. So my, having my dad look was good because, you know, he has, he's retired now, but he was a farmer. He grew up on a farm, you know, and, and they still own land that he leases. So, you know, he had a good idea what I was looking for, for my animals and, and my mom's an avid gardener. So she knew what I wanted as far as a garden. And, and my friend that lives in town is also an avid gardener. So, so I had some really good, um, you know, people helping me, which I really couldn't have done it without them. And I don't know if anybody has purchased or sold a house recently, but the market is pretty fast in most places. So, you know, things that would come up would go pretty quickly. So I put an offer, you know, I purchased this house site unseen because, you know, I knew I had to do it quickly or I would probably lose the opportunity. And so I just, I moved her without seeing the house and it, um, you know, it's, it basically has everything I wanted, you know, nothing is going to be perfect. And I was also kind of looking at a lower price range. So it is an older house, but it was well-maintained. Um, there is, there was existing fencing that needs some work. Um, there is a shelter for the goats. And then I, you know, one of the, that was one of the thing on my list was I wanted like a, you know, an outbuilding that I could put hay in, animal supplies, and preferably shelters. So there is a shelter for the ghost, but not for my horse. I do have a detached, a large detached garage that uh, that I used for hay and, and um, grain storage, tack, like a tag room, all of that. So I do have to put up a shelter for the horse, and there is some fencing that I still need to do, but... Um, you know, I was able, there was a, an area that was fenced good enough that I could move here immediately and, you know, get the guys out. And, and I have told Deborah, I have a funny, I, I did meet one of my neighbors because all my goats escaped one day. They, they found like the wind place in the fence. Um, anyway, I, it wasn't the way I planned to meet my neighbors, but I did meet some very nice neighbors when my dogs were, or my goats were running around the neighborhood. And anyway, they're all confined now, but. So, yeah, but yeah, one the list time I was, really helped. One time I was talking to you, you were holding your horse who had helped the goat escape. And yes. you were waiting for a handyman to come help. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I had the dog, I had my, all my goats in the backyard, in the fence backyard. For, that's for my dogs. My dogs were in the house. The goats were in the backyard and hanging on to my horse. Since then, I have a couple of small um, pens put up one for the horse and one for the goats that if something like that happens again and we've done some work on that fence and I still have um, my property has five and a half acres and I still have the back three acres is more wooded it was you know a couple of clearings and and that fence needs some work before I can put them out there so you left a, a one acre 
property in Phoenix that you had lived on and you were established there with your animals. Um, how long did you think about this? And, and what did you do to prepare to leave beyond looking for the site? Because you have to transport all your animals. You don't drive. Um, um, what kind of, yeah, what kind of preparation did it take? And, and, and also just that thought process of leaving an established homestead to, to start all over again. Um, so the summit, when you transport animals across state lines, you need vet records. And those vet records cannot be more than 30 days old. So, um, part, I think one of the most stressful things about my whole move here was timing because the market in Phoenix was moving insanely fast. So I knew if I put my house on the market, if I didn't have a place to go to, I was going to be homeless because, um, I, I ended up selling my house to an investor with someone I know, and I feel like I got a fair deal, but, um, because I knew if I put it on the market, it could disappear in hours, you know, maybe a couple of days or even hours. And I'm like, I have to have a place to go because then what am I going to do? I have all these animals. So that was one of the reasons I went with the investor is he gave me a little, there was a little bit of flexibility. So I, I had talked to him about it and we had, you know, talked about my concerns. So actually I put the offer on this house with the contingency of the house they were selling. And then as soon as I did that, he, we started the paperwork for him to buy my house there. And, you know, then we, we showed the people here, you know, that yes, my house was under contract. So it happened really fast. So I had to just, you know, basically have everything ready. Um, and you do, you should have the paperwork. I, I, um, I was lucky enough that I have some family friends that live in Northwest Arkansas that, transport animals and they usually do it in a closer area like Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas. But since they were family friends, they made an exception and um, they drove further, you know, to pick me and my animals up in Phoenix. And that's just, I don't know, with COVID, everything was so crazy. It was kind of a crazy time to do things because even like the companies that move your stuff, but like the furniture movers, a lot of them were behind and I was like reading online about people's stuff getting partway across the nation and then being lost or, you know, stranded somewhere. So I actually talked to the, the family. It was a family business that moved my livestock. And I'm like, if you guys, you know, I know this isn't what you do, but if you have like more trucks and trailers or somewhat more drivers, you know, I would be perfectly happy to pay you to move my stuff because I'm getting very alarmed about, you know, these companies that I'm reading about. So they actually moved my stuff. So it, I was really lucky that I knew those people, that I knew that family that had that business. And, and, and they were pretty flexible because, you know, again, I did, I, um, there were a few holdups. It was a pretty stressful time because the house here it, it took a little longer to close than I thought it would because of the bank doing the appraisal um, apparently they were behind on appraisal so um, anyway the, this family was really good at working with me and I honestly cannot have done it without them so it was I guess just getting my stuff ready um, it was just a lot of 
preparation, getting my stuff ready, you know, getting my house ready there to put on the market, finding something here. And then as soon as I, you know, had a date, I had to, I had to get a vet, do a health check on all the animals and have the paperwork because you can be stopped at state lines. And if you don't have the appropriate paperwork on the animals, they can, um, they can make you um, stop for seven days on quarantine. So basically for the horse, anyone who's familiar with horses, I had to have a negative Coggins test. And with my goats, I just had to have um, a, thing filled out by the vet that they that the goats were healthy there's a description of each one and then the uh, a statement that you know the veterinarian sees no sign of contagious illnesses and I, I also moved two dogs and two cats and they you know i had to have current rabies on those and i was never asked for that along the way which was good but you know i'm the type of, i it have was, the kind of yeah, luck that if i hadn't it. done it i would have gotten stopped <laughs> so. so wow i and I'm going to ask one more question and then throw it over to Marge and then open it up for people to ask questions because I'm sure there are lots of questions out there. So my one last question for now is how did you orient yourself to this new place? So you're, you moved there with your animals, you're dropped off there and it's, you've never been there before and you have to, you know, orient yourself pretty quickly so that you and your animals are safe and fed. So how, how did you do that when you arrived at your property? I was lucky. My mom came and stayed a few days with me while I was getting settled. And, um, so she showed me around and then I, I guess I'm fortunate that I have, I've always had good O and M skills. Um, so, you know, I, there are like that back area that's wooded. I mean, I do sometimes get disoriented back there, but I know if I go far enough in any direction, I will come to a fence and I can follow the fence around and figure out where I am. Maybe not the most time effective, but, um, so, you know, the, most of the property is fenced. I do have one small pasture that's not fenced yet, but that one has like a, it's on a corner and it has a road on each side. So I can find my way there. And of course there's two other fences. So there was that. The other thing I used is a friend gave me, I think they're, they're little keychains, and then you have a thing you hold in your hand. And if you press it, the keychain um, makes a beep. So I put those in a few places. Um, like the little goat shelter is just kind of out in the middle of the pasture. And so that was, you know, a little tricky to find to go straight to it. So I put one on that. And um, my mailbox is a rural, you know, kind of um, more rural area. My mailbox is uh, actually across the road and down a little bit. So I put one of those on the bottom of my mailbox. So I could find it. And also if I kind of explore the neighborhood, I can find my mailbox again. So th- those are a, a couple things. I do use the Compass app on my phone because I, you know, I figured out when I got here. I I got my phone and I figured out like which directions different things were in, so I can use that. And then listening, you know, like there is a road along one side, so it's not a very busy road, but I do, um, you know, sometimes hear traffic there, so that's. Um, something I listened for. So, and then now that I've walked over the land quite a bit, you know, I know there's different, um, you know, as I go to the back of the property, it slowly goes uphill. 
Um, there's a little, I call it a creek, but it's, there's not water in it all the time. It's, you know, unless we get quite a bit of rain, you know, so I know where that is that I have to go across that. Um, so, and then there's like a, a couple, like there's a huge maple tree. There's a huge walnut tree. So when I find those, those are landmarks. So, so those are things okay. that I did. All right. So Marge, do you have any questions before we open it up? Yes. I, I wanted to say too, Nella, that I'm really impressed with um, the network that you have and your ability to uh, call on folks to help you out in various ways. It really shows the, the value of uh, knowing folks um, and having family members um, who are sort of similarly minded, at least in certain respects, could understand what you were up to and uh, what you needed to do and, and could help you out um, that much. So that's, it's really impressive. And I, a question is, um, I don't know how long you've, you've been on your, your property, but uh, what's a, um, a challenge that, that you found um, that you've been experiencing, maybe one that you didn't expect to have? Um, gosh, so a couple of things that, and, and my mom had warned me, and, and um, so it, like that is a more rural area, like walking down the roads here is very tricky because it's there's pretty much drainage ditches along the road so if i walk on the road i'm literally walking on the very edge and it is you know pretty quiet there's not a lot of traffic um so i mean i can do it and i have explored the neighborhood a little bit there's really not that many businesses i can walk to there's just a couple of things but that's been a little bit challenged and the other thing is just this um the roads here are very curvy and I find, you know, in Phoenix, it was very much a grid and I was very, I knew very much where I was. I could see an address and have a good idea where I was. And like right now for me to say, give someone directions to my house, there's a lot of different ways to get through and you're going through all of these, they call them farm roads. And it's the, basically the county road system, the roads that are outside of the city. And um, they're very curvy and confusing to me. So I found that challenging just trying to get a good layout of the roads where I live and giving people directions and and then you know the little bit of walking I've done is has been a is challenging because of the um if, if the roads were busier I would not feel real safe doing it but they are quiet so I just listen and, and um I have you know it seems like people are pretty respectful that I was also worried that you know they're probably not used to pedestrians um but is, you know, they seem pretty good about kind of going, I can tell they're like going, you know, driving around me, like making, you know, more space around me than they have to. So, um, so that's, that's been a little more challenging. The, just the, the walking, the walkability of it is more challenging than I thought. Well, Holly, um, would you like to let people know how they can ask their questions or make comments? With pleasure. Um, good afternoon. I'm Holly Turry, and I'm your host for today. If you want to raise your hand and you're using a uh, Windows computer, it is star, I mean, I'm sorry, Alt-Y. If you want to mute and unmute, it is Alt-A. If you're using an, a Macintosh computer, it to um, 
raise your hand. It's options Y to um, mm -hmm. mute and unmute. It's command shift A. If you're using a smartphone to raise your hand, you go to the lower right hand corner of the phone and you tap on the more. Then you go left, 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 and you're almost back to the left-hand corner, and there's raised hand. You pass all kinds of cool stuff like clap your hands, make a face, a lot of fun. But there is raise your hand, and you tap on that. To mute and unmute, it is in the lower left-hand corner, and if you tap it, and you can mute yourself and tap it again, and you're unmuted. If you're using an old-timey phone that you call on the wall or in the with push buttons, to mute and unmute, it is star nine. And no, wait a minute, to raise your hand, it's star nine. I'm so sorry, to raise your hand, it's star nine. And to mute and unmute, it is star six. Now let's see if we have any hands. No hands up, my dear. All right. So, wait a minute. Uh, you were talking, oh, go ahead. Okay, we have two hands up. Okay. Marcia Summers, you can go ahead. Yeah, it, it took me a while to get to the place to raise my hand. You know, we're not that fast. Um, I'm in Daytona Beach, Florida, and I wanted to ask her, you know, goats are very mischievous, and I can just picture them coming up and knocking her over. And um, I just wonder how she can handle them, you know. And, um, and the other thing is... Um, with her horse, does she ride her horse? And if she does, uh, you know, how does that work? And um, I mean, I can imagine taking care of those animals in the winter time. I, I just think it's just so marvelous. So um, my the only time my goats might knock me over is when I have food. They're not aggressive. They get really excited, very pushy and rude when they see me coming with the bucket. So, but I do kind of have a routine. I, um, they all are supposed to go into the smaller pen to eat. Um, I do have one old doe that I get out separately and feed her. And then I have the one that I milk and, you know, so they, they're, um, it was very, they were very disrupted when I first moved as far as their routine, like getting the old one out separate and getting the one out to milk. So, um, they're getting back into their routine and, um, and the horse, same thing. He's very, you know, he's actually much easier than the goats. Um, he goes to his spot and, you know, and then I feed them and once they're finished, I let them out of their pens. I do ride the horse. Um, I, I haven't met people here to trail ride with, and I, I haven't really looked yet just because it's been winter. I do, I, I have this one small, smaller pasture. That's probably, I don't know, half an acre. It's not a big area, but it's flat. There's no trees and it's not fenced. So I plan on fencing that and kind of using it as an arena, but also letting him graze in there. And I, and I written, you know, I can ride independently in an arena. If I'm riding on a trail, I follow people and I just really listen to what people are doing. And, and I've been lucky enough to have, you know, good people to ride with that'll let me know about overhanging branches and that type of thing. Um, the winter weather, you know, I just came from Arizona, so it's a little bit of a shock. I, I was talking to Deborah earlier today and I was telling her how, I think it was Friday morning, was 10 degrees, so um, a little cold, 
The biggest challenge is the water. You know, the water is freezing out there. So I am literally carrying buckets of warm water, hot water from the house and putting out for those guys and doing it like three, you know, if it stays below freezing, I'm doing it three times a day. So that's the biggest, you know, um, labor intensive thing that I'm happy to do because, and on the super cold nights, I do feed them more hay. Um, just the, the action of eating the hay helps keep their body, their core body temps up. So when it's really cold out, I give them more hay. Does that answer your questions? Yes, thank you. And and do you do you, are you going to have a garden up there? Oh, definitely, definitely. I was lucky. The place already has um, three fruit trees, and there's a couple of raised beds already. So, um, I plan on adding some more raised beds. And um, but I was just talking to Deborah earlier today about all the gardening options, and it's I'm. It's very exciting because I have so much space and um, so many opportunities now. Because I have RP and the site's gone down, so I have raised beds, but I kind of gave up gardening. So I was hoping to check on with Home and Garden and see if there's some way that I can still do it. So I, a lot absolutely, of you can still yes, do it. Absolutely. Um, do you find that? that you have really in, uh, wonderful kinship with the goats and the horse because you, of your blindness? Um, I don't know if I'd say that. What I, like all of my goats are very gentle. I've hand raised most of them from kids. And, and because I'm blind, you know, I want animals that are gentle enough that, you know, I can catch them easily. I can physically run my hands over them to make sure that they're all okay. And the same thing with my horse, who's actually probably gentler than the goats. But again, you know, like there's just, I won't say tolerate a kicking horse or, or something like that because I frequently walk up behind him because I don't know exactly where he is. So. Yeah, I, I love horses and, what I, you know, I went to this ranch and my friend told me if you're going around behind a horse to um, touch them on the back because they, cannot, they can't see, you know, behind them. So if they know you're back there, they won't kick you, you know, but if you shock them, they're liable to do it. So I find that when I hug a horse, I just feel it just... It just makes me feel comfortable. It, it quiets me. There's something about a horse that's just wonderful. And 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 Nella, what are what's the name of your horse and your goat? Could you tell everybody their name? Oh, there's a cruiser is the horse, um, and he's a Missouri Fox Trotter. My goats all have candy names, so I have my my older goats. I have uh, my oldest goat is Carmel, and, and my goats are all Nubians, which are dairy goats. And then I have twins that are Titty Roll and Skittles. And I have Gumdrop and Twix. And I have Lollipop, Jelly Bean, and Dots. That's quite a crew. Yes. Quite a crew. So yeah. my worst badly behaved goat is um, Lollipop. And I jokingly call her barbecue because 
because she's back in the <laughs> It's always like when I start to put the goats up, barbecue is always like the hardest one to get at. And she's like, everybody will run in my barbecue. And so that's why I, I jokingly call her lollipop slash barbecue. So. So, okay. Well, um, our, when you yeah, milk, when, when you milk them, how do you have to process the milk for you? Um, as soon as I milk it, I bring it in, and I there's like a these strainer things that I buy from a company called Caprine Supply, and you just like strain the milk through it. So any like bits of dirt, a bit of hay, goat hair, whatever, we'll strain it out, and then. Um, I chill it as quickly as possible. I think it makes it taste better. Um, you can pasteurize it on your stove at home. I choose not to because I'm not um, worried about it. And I've been using unpasteurized milk for years. And that's just kind of a personal choice. You can buy like um, countertop pasteurizers, which I have never used. But that that's all I do. And then I um, either just cook with it occasionally drink it i use it in yogurt making yogurts cheeses and i also do goat milk soaps it's amazing well, thank, thank you very much for for your questions those are great questions and holly you said we had somebody else we have two questions? more so far yes my dear All right. carol from maine go ahead thank you thank you what a treat oh my gosh what an adventure um, just, I was laughing, however, because you were talking about water and having to carry buckets and up here in our, in the barn where I have a horse and we have to, we have heated buckets. We had to go to heated buckets. Um, and that's really the only way that you can just survive up here just through the winter right. as far as water, providing water and extra hay, of course, and all of those things. Cause and we blanket, and I, I, but you just came from Arizona, so maybe you won't even have to think about throwing a blanket on your horse, um, or maybe you just need to borrow one from a little for a little while or something. And we know. do. I have um, a blanket. I have not blanketed home. We got here in October, so the weather, you know, has cooled gradually. Mm, and he mm -hmm. has a very. Uh, well, we lived in a colder climate. He rarely went inside. He's. I've always given him the option of being mm -hmm. in or out. Mm -hmm. And so he has a pretty dense coat. So what I what I see him doing is getting out of the wind, so he can move around. Yeah. Like I'll see him get on. You know, like the south side of the garage which seems to be as you know is probably like the most sheltered place as on the south side of the garage or i think you can get it at the east side so mm -hmm. he kind of moves around that and then he can stay the goat shelter's too small really for him but he can stand on one side of it and get quite a bit of, bit of wind block and then there's a little uh a few little well they're larger trees but he gets in those trees as well so that's what i mean i do plan on putting up a structure for having one built for helm but uh, um, okay but yeah i do like to for him to have the option but he doesn't um when he most of the time i mean i mean we had an inch of snow thursday morning and after he actually laid down and rolled in the snow and got up and shook off. So he doesn't seem mm -hmm. too worried mm -hmm. about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's only in extreme weather, weather, of course, that you would, because my horse, um, right. his, his name happens to be Liam. He's got a stall and it's in and out, but he can be in or he can be out. But right. also we do have the option of closing him in when it's really snow, windy, uh, you know, bad, bad out. Right. Uh, during the winter or whatever. 
um, I wondered how your horses came through, your, the horse came through, but also the goats in general, um, as far as the trip and adjusting along the, during the trip and how that, um, you know, how that was for you. Were you traveling with them all or yes, no? Yes, yes, I traveled with them. So we uh, did it in two days. We stopped in New Mexico at a place where I could board home for one night. So we unloaded home and boarded home for one night. And then from talking to the vets and everything I read online, I, we just left the goats and the trailer and, Mm -hmm. um, and and I have moved these guys around quite a bit. Unfortunately, they have kind of have a gypsy mom. Oh, Um, okay. They all, um, my oldest goat definitely dropped some weight and the, the one, the two that I'm milking, they, um, and I've been milking them for a long time, but their milk production went down. So they seem fine. Um, they, my horse, like I barely had him through the gate and he was started to graze. And I was a little concerned about moving him, you know, cause he was on a, a dry lot. And on grass. To, uh, yeah. Right. But, but what the vet told, told me was that I you know I'm moving home in the fall. We, like, so we got here late October. That the nutritional mm. value, he said it was the best time to transition home because the nutritional yeah. value is at its lowest point in the grass. So I, yeah. I shouldn't have Good to point. worry about calling. Yeah. So they really, like I said, right. the, the older doe definitely dropped some weight. And I was a little bit worried about her because she, she is getting quite old for a goat. Um, and then the two, the two milkers, their production definitely went down, which I've been milking them long enough that I don't really, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they all really made the trip very well. Mm-hmm. How old is an old goat and how old is your horse? Um, goats can like, they tend to be like large dogs, 12, 15 years. You know. uh, okay. So my oldest oh, one is okay. getting close to 12. Uh, my horse will be 20 okay. this spring, so he's oh, kind of yeah. middle-aged, my, right, middle-aged. Yeah, mine, mine is, th- is 31, actually going to be turning 32. So he's, yeah, oh my goodness. getting up there. But, yeah, he's getting yeah. old. Yeah. He's, he's an old guy. Yes, he yeah. is, yeah. He's a, he's a lipizzan, and that's a, one of the breeds that's oh. kind of pony-like in their, in a lot of their heritage. So he could probably go, who knows, he might be, he'll be around for a while. Yeah. Oh, good. Could I ask well, a question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, Holly. Um, <clears throat> are you good? Are you planning? I mean, I guess you have to have baby goats to have milking goats. Are you planning on having baby? <laughs> yes, I need. Um, I need to find a back to breed my girls too. So I just haven't dealt with that. Um, but yeah, I do need to find. I would like to breed my three youngest does, and um. So yes, yes, you do have to breed to to get kids to have milk. Yes, yes. Um, we had one more hand, and that was Barbie, but she put her hand down. I don't know if she doesn't want to. If she gave up on her question, or she just her hand got tired. Barbie, do you want to unmute and talk to us? All right. Well, if if you want to just go. Oh, there you go. I was. Well, some of the questions were answered because I was trying to find out how what other animals you have, but it sounds like you only have horses and goats. And then I was wondering if you were just a homestead or a small production farm, but it sounds like you're not. It's mainly just like your home stuff. 
just you. I mean, you're not selling the goats or anything or the milk or anything. Not at this not at this point. I have in the past and I'm probably I would really like to get into making the soaps again. Um I and I honestly haven't even checked the laws. Most states have you know, there's different laws about selling raw milk. Um, when I lived in Arkansas, I was allowed to sell raw milk if people picked it up from the farm. And I honestly have not checked what the laws are here, but I can sell the soap, you know, without, um, because, you know, because it's not edible. So, um, and of course I have had to sell the kids because, you know, I can't just keep every single one I have. So, um, so I have sold the goats before I have sold milk. And um, I have definitely sold the goat milk soap before. Did you say wild goats? There's wild goats and just regular goats? No, there's just dairy. Well, there uh, there are places in the world where there's wild goats. But there's uh, people usually keep goats for one of three reasons. Either dairy production, meat production, or there's also goats that are raised for fiber production like sheep. And then people also keep goats just to... They're really good at keeping um, the undergrowth browsed down. Goats are browsers, like deer, so they um, eat twigs and leaves, and um, they will graze. But their first choice is to is to browse. So, oh, people are using them to to keep areas clean, to keep undergrowth down. Because I know in the um, Delmarva area, Africans from different areas, mainly, I know most of them from West Nigeria, from Nigeria, they buy goats, they go out and buy goats because they eat goat meat and they, they like right. to buy their animals live, the goats and the chicken, and they kill them themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was wondering if people still have that purpose. Oh, what Getting. was that? I didn't catch that. I was wondering if you was doing it for that purpose as well, for people who love goat meat and stuff like that. So I don't, I'm personally vegetarian and I don't like the thought of my goats being eaten, but I have sold my boys, most of the, my girls I have sold to be, the girls that I've sold have, you know, people have used them for family dairy goats. Um, I have sold some of my boys that I'm pretty sure went to be meat so and that's one reason I don't want to breed a lot I just I don't like to think about that so um but yes people do in many cultures people eat goat meat it's not eaten so much by Americans but by African um cultures Middle Eastern and um Caribbean. South American yeah Caribbean South American so so it is um you know a lot of people do eat it some some Americans eat it as well. Well, they not, do. It's just yeah. not as oh, yeah. common. My yeah, it's very, my very son expensive here. <laughs> yeah. My son-in-law <laughs> is from uh, Trinidad, and he gets goat every once in a while, and they have curry goat. It's good. I like it. But well, I can thank under you for thank you for calling, Barbie. Um. <laughs> Do we have we, any other hands? We don't today? have any other hands, and it's a shame because this is a fantastic discussion. Please put your hands up, 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 up. I just I wanted to add a couple more things that I looked for that I kind of double checked when I found this property. As 
I made sure that there was a, a farm supply store that will deliver to my house. I called different ones that, you know, when I, and found out which ones would deliver to my home. And I also made sure that there was a farm animal, equine vet and a large like farm animal vet that would make house calls here because those are, you know, things that I, I, you know, I need to have. So those were a couple of things that I checked. I actually live close enough to town that I'm able to use Instacart here and I can even do Uber Eats if I wanted to. So, um, I feel pretty fortunate that I, I found a place where I kind of have the best of both worlds. Um, in my immediate area, all of us have five acres. The the way it's zoned, we cannot spend under five acre a lot. So most people here, you know, are having somewhere between five and 15 acres of land. There are still a few larger farms here. And like I said, there's several farm supply stores in the area. Not all of them will deliver and I have found like a private hay dealer that I can, you know, an individual that I can get hay from and just, and those are good resources too, as far as, you know, finding, um, like, yeah, people. those are getting yeah. feed is, is, is quite a challenge. Yeah. And, um, we have so, six, we have three, hand, we, have, we got three more hands up ladies. Just so okay, you know. I won't ask my question. Go ahead and. Take the hand. 603 uh, 933. Yeah, you, so, what is your name, dear? Yeah, my, my name is Jody, and I'm a friend of Mella's. And I wanted to say, uh, comment about hi, Mella. There's one thing I wanted to comment. Mella had done once that I just was so blown away by. She made a pizza and she made the, the crust herself, and she grew the tomatoes for the sauce. And then she made the mozzarella cheese out of goat's milk. And I just thought that was so cool that she did the whole pizza herself. With homegrown, you know, you can't, you can't get more yeah. homestead than, than that. I thought that was so cool. So you, you probably made the soap you washed up with too, right, Nella? Probably did. <laughs> I don't remember. I know I could spin it. I, there were some different veggies on it that I had grown. I think I had grown all the veggies, but the onions, and then, like Jody said, I had made the cheese, and then I did, I did make the crust and the er the herbs on it. I had grown. That was that was just awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. That's that's good. You just authenticated, uh, Nella. Thank you. <laughs> I have a question, and then I'll pass. Do you don't raise chickens or duckies or anything like that? I don't have chickens. That is on my list of goals is to be able to have chickens again. Yeah, my my son is is uh, well. Forget it. I, I'm talking too much. Go ahead. One five five one two eight eight seven. Yes, that's me. I'm Nancy, and I'm in Central Texas, and I absolutely love this show. Thank you so much for doing this. And I have two quick questions. One is pest control. Like, how do you keep from stepping in a bed of fire ants when you're out walking your property? And my second question is, I know you've got to scoop up after especially the horses and maybe the goats too occasionally. How do you do that? So we don't have fire ants here that I know of. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, so... 
the goat area, like I, the only areas I really clean since we're in a larger property are, are the goat's house. And I just go in with a rake and rake it out and then scoop it up and put it, I'm putting it at my raised bed areas and I'm, and then I'm making it a compost area. So, and the same thing, like, so the horse doesn't have a shelter now. He tends to kind of go in a couple areas. And so as I go out there with the rake and kind of scatter it around, but since, you know, he's, you know, they're on a couple acres right now. I just, you know, I, other than cleaning out the house, I don't clean it. Um, We have, it's 250 or whatever, 550 ladies. And we have two more hands. Marsha, Marsha Summers. Yes, I was just going to ask about the chickens, and I was wondering if she could train the, the chickens to put their eggs in, in their nest, you know, because when they're, when they're running free, they'll you, put them anywhere. You can usually um, train them kind of, you know, to lay in nest boxes, so there, there's, you can usually do that with chickens. Thank you. Yeah, mine, mine lay in a nest box, and they get free range of the whole backyard and they're good about going back. I'm right. sorry, Marcia Next. Summers. I inadvertently muted you. I am so sorry. Um, you can unmute yourself if you have any more questions. I'm so sorry. No, no, it, that's, that's all I, cause somebody else asked about the chickens and I just thought about my brother had chickens and he'd find legs, eggs everywhere, you know? Oh yes. There. Yeah. yeah. Um, Carol, go ahead. Yeah, just uh, how are you doing as far as connecting with neighbors and kind of um, developing a neighborhood of connections? A little mm. bit. I have met the lady that lives next door to me, and then I did meet a very nice young lady when my goats were running amok, and she helped me get them in, and then she introduced me to, it was actually her father and her stepfather, who both do some, like, handyman stuff, and her father is actually oh, going good. to build yeah, her dad is actually going to build the, the goat or the horse shelter for me. That's what he does is he builds sheds and barns. And so that was, I've met those people. And then her stepdad just does like some general handyman stuff that I, some little jobs I want done around. So that was a really good connection. And then I very briefly met another neighbor who seems to be the lady in the neighborhood that finds every last dog. And then two times I've met her, she's knocked up. I met her like three days after I moved in because she knew I was new and she found a Pomeranian and she thought, well, maybe this is my, you know, my dog since she didn't know me. And then one other time she found a dog and brought it. She's like, I don't think this is yours since I've seen your dogs now, but you know, and I'm like, no, I have no idea where it came from. So, um, so it's kind of, it's a little bit harder, I think, you know, being on larger properties. Because when I lived in Phoenix, I was close enough to say when I took my trash out or checked my mail, I often encountered the lady mm. next door. Mm. So our properties are spread out enough that it's a little bit harder to do that. Um, and I did, um, like the, the people that I've met, I did, you know, like bake some Christmas goodies for them and share with them just to, you know, kind of reinforce that mm-hmm. neighborliness. Mm-hmm. And we do have a community center very close. I'm just maybe a block, two blocks from the fire station. And next to the fire station is a community center. And they have some meetings and stuff there. So I definitely plan on going to those type of things to um, meet my mm-hmm. neighbors. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. good question. Yeah. Thank you. We are getting close to the top of the hour and having to say goodbye. Marge, do you have a last 
quick question or comments for Nella? Well, I, I just, um, since we do have a little time, Nella, if there's anything else that you've um, thought of that, uh, that you wanted to include about your experience so far. Really? I mean, I, I do think the neighbor thing is, I tend to be a little reclusive. And I do think that that is an area that I need to work on kind of putting myself out there and getting making really making an effort to know my neighbors. And, and that is getting out of my comfort zone. So that that is sure. something I want to work on, because I, I do think it's important. And just and I, I do think in rural communities, you know, like I was telling Deborah, I didn't really want to meet my neighbor by my goats getting out. But in rural communities that happens, you know, people's livestock get out. And, you know, knowing, I think knowing your neighbors and people knowing where animals belong is, is, a, is an important thing. So that is definitely something I want to focus on is reaching out to my community. Well, yeah, especially if you can. Been fabulous. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just saying that, especially if you can find those times when you're not quite so busy, you better do it this winter before spring comes is all I have to oh, say. Oh, yes. <laughs> those gardens start meeting, meeting. Well, this has been fabulous, Nella. You are one adventurous lady. Thank you for sharing so much information and your great story with us. Um I want to, in, I, well, before I say more, I want to thank Anthony and Holly. Anthony has been streaming for us, and Holly has been hosting. They've been fabulous to do Great this. Great job, thank Anthony. Thank you to both of you. Thank you. And um, next month, we will be talking growing citrus in containers. Is that correct, Marge? That's correct. Any one of you can grow a citrus tree. I'll have you know, and you'll find out all about it oh, next gosh, month. Gosh, I can't wait. Oh, sorry. I'm very excited about it because I'm ready. It's been a long winter. <laughs> so um, make sure you join us next month when we talk about growing citrus in containers. And uh, any, any final thoughts, Marge? Well, I think um, Nella will have to have you back maybe to talk about cheese making, soap making, uh, some of the other things that you do. So don't uh, uh, don't forget about us um, every month at this time, and uh, and we'll probably be uh, calling on you again. And um, I was um, communicating with Deborah today, and we're hoping that possibly. In March, we will um, launch into tomatoes, a very important springtime topic for all of us. America's favorite vegetable, tomatoes. Yeah, I think I have a guest who is a tomato expert, and that should be a fun call, too. Well, thank you, everybody. And I really appreciate everybody who called in with questions, too. That, that's Absolutely. what makes this yeah, that, that's what makes this the most fun. Nella, you've been awesome. 